Welcome back to Leaders of Color, a podcast by Leading in Color. I'm your host, Sarisha Iyer, and on today's episode, we have Sid Pereira with us. Sid is a 24-year-old who has a background in automotive engineering. He has a passion for people and sustainability, and as an immigrant to Canada, has experienced some of the challenges that immigrant youth face as they try to navigate their adolescence in a new country. Through some of his experiences, he was understood the value of providing mentorship to young men especially from immigrant communities. These experiences have inspired him to create a community organization called Boys of the Future with some of his peers. Welcome to the podcast, Sid. Hey, thanks for having me. So what has been your strangest quarantine experience so far? COVID has kind of created an environment for folks to not really be doing things as normal. Have you had any strange experiences? Strange? When I first read or first heard that question, I was like, ah, there's nothing paranormal happening. But I guess strange was realizing how much work I needed to do on myself. You get all this forced reflection time, right? So kind of really opened my eyes on, I guess, steps that I should be taking as far as self-improvements go. Oh, cool. What have some of those steps been? So I'm super into music, right? And I was like, yeah, it's kind of cool to uh, to maybe be able to play an instrument. So there was mm-hmm. this bass guitar I had lying around that I had borrowed from my buddy two years prior and I never touched it. So I picked that up and I started to play. I started mid-April and I'm three songs in now, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, cool. So I'm working on another one, just things like that, just to get a little bit more, um, you know, have some more skills under my belt and work work on, you know, my mindset a little bit, if that makes sense. So a little more reading and learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds very productive for this, like, very strange period of time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your organization. What is it that you guys do? So I can I can start with our vision and mission. So our vision is to set young men up for success and inspire the next generation of leadership. Our mission would be to create an environment for dialogue, uh, share knowledge and resources, and then leverage this dialogue into purposeful action. So we kind of have a three pillar approach, purpose, uh, people and planet. So we start with encouraging uh, young men to look within themselves, uh, begin to find purpose, take steps to improve self-confidence and understand what their roles and responsibilities are. And then we move to the next step, which is people. How do we become allies? How do we become functioning and upholding citizens in our communities? And then planet. We've got one planet. How do we take care of it? What are the right initiatives to to be looking out for? What are things you can do to live a more sustainable life? That's awesome. One of the things I noticed when you guys had first DM'd us about being on the podcast was that this is the first time we've had like an all-male sort of led organization. And it's been kind of difficult for us to find folks doing that work, in particular because a lot of the folks in sort of allyship spaces and equity spaces tend to be young women who are racialized. Have you noticed that to be an area that you're filling in, in your environment where you are? And is it something that you purposefully did? So it's a bit of both. Um, I have noticed that this is something we're lacking, right? And with current events, something I've been reading a lot is how do you lift where you stand, right? How do mm-hmm. you how do you channel privilege? How do you how do you make that uh, powerful and, and create spark, create changes? And I realized as men, regardless of and and we're looking at a little bit of intersectionality here. Once you're a man, uh, unfortunately, that does come with a little bit more privilege, regardless of you know what kind of color you are. Mm-hmm. So. How can we as men not be complacent? That's that's kind of the way I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of it started individually. It was like, okay, I want to be a better ally. What are the steps I should be taking to educate myself and, and become a community person? How can I start sharing the spotlight, right? And mm-hmm. growing up, I was always a very um, self-centered person because I kind of had to navigate community spaces and organizations and figured with a lot of traditional households especially with immigrant communities, men tend to not get 
the right kind of attention from parents. Parents are either trying to make ends meet or focus on other things. And men kind of just navigate and, and do things by themselves because the parents are one thinking they should be fine. They'll be okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's an opportunity there. How do we activate these men? If that's the right word to use, mm-hmm. right? How do we, how do we get them to recognize their privilege and educate them and say, okay, how can we be better allies? How can we put the spotlight on other people and, and elevate people around us? And so was there a particular incident that sparked this for you? Or where do you get this kind of equity background and allyship that your organization puts forward? So for me, uh, growing up as an immigrant, I had a lot of energy growing up. I lived in Kuwait for 10 years, you know, amidst a bit of the um, war tensions going on with the U.S. and the Middle East area. And just I was noticing things growing up a little bit and trying to process them. My parents decided, hey, this this kind of situation isn't really the best for us. And they start to make the move to Canada. But the problem is when you go from an oil-rich country and, and you come here, things change, especially where the education level isn't as recognized. And I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of immigrant parents know this, right? Absolutely. Regardless of what education they had in other countries, it's not recognized here in Canada. So mm-hmm. it's a tough time for immigrant parents. So my parents had to, they really had to focus on making ends meet amongst you know other things that they had to be focused on. Mm-hmm. And myself, it was, okay, I'm in a new country now. And luckily, l- luckily enough for me, I guess I was young. I was in grade five when we moved here. So I had some time to adapt and navigate. But mm-hmm. it was a lot of things I had to do by myself. And there was a lot of trial and error that I look back and say, I, man, I, I wish I did that better. I really do. So then I said, look, at the end of the day, today's a new day. How can I mentor the next generation that may be in a similar boat and how can mm-hmm. I create a space where we can maybe help folks like myself that are navigating by themselves, you know, have somebody to look up to and, and transition better into a very, very beautiful part of the world, right? And how mm-hmm. to be a community member that way. And so what are some of the programming and services that you guys offer to do that? So we've got events, we've got group hangouts, group therapy, remote workshops. And, and this is kind of us just putting names to things. But, but really how we started was I, I looked within my own friend group. And we, we had an uncanny ability to, to help people feel welcome. We were always full of energy, and, but we, we kept each other accountable. So I said, I want to create a space like this for everybody, right? Come have a good time. Come find acceptance. Come have some camaraderie. But at the same time, we're learning and teaching each other and growing and holding each other accountable, right? And becoming uh, better people in the community. Mm-hmm. So for events, it would be as simple as we watch a game together to something that I'll, I'll bring up later, but maybe a little barbecue, uh, basketball event, right? Mm-hmm. And and in in that space, in that event that we have, there's chance for group therapy where we just talk to one another and we say, hey, is everything good? How's life going? How's your career mm-hmm. going? How are relationships going? And one thing we tried, which was very successful, and I want to shout out our head of equity, Graham Robertson. He facilitated a remote workshop on equity, right? Mm-hmm. I think just defining what it means and, mm-hmm. and how to start viewing things and understanding that different people are oppressed differently. What are the tools we can provide to help these people succeed? So that was a really cool remote workshop. That's something we're going to try and continue. Not always the topic of equity, but things mm-hmm. like that. And I'm happy to see that, like I said before, like we often see young women in these spaces, especially women of color predominantly. And so to hear that there are young men and also young men of color in particular going through these equity trainings, I think is incredibly important. What are some of the challenges that you face during this work? So it's a bit of smooth sailing in the sense that 
what we're able to create is a fun space. And, and for me, that's like, that's how I wanted to differentiate ourselves from a lot of groups. I wanted to say, look, this isn't, this isn't lecture hour, right? I want you to come find acceptance. I want you to come have a good time. That's been easy. But at the end of the day, you still have to have tough conversations, right? Especially when a particular mindset or thought process is brought up mm -hmm. and there's an opportunity to educate. I think one of the challenges, not just with Boys of the Future, at my workplace, um, with my family, anywhere really, it's getting people to spark change from within. How do you get mm -hmm. somebody to, to look within themselves in the first place and see that there might be an opportunity to change, right? Mm -hmm. And how have you dealt with overcoming that? Patience, patience. It is, <laughs> it's very tough with me. I'm very gentle um, because mm -hmm. growing up, I didn't have gentleness, which is what I preferred. That's how, that's how I wanted to learn. I wanted to be called mm -hmm. in. So I tried to do that outwardly to other folks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, how do I call you in? Right. And talk it through with them. I, mm -hmm. I encourage them to critically think and ask as many questions as possible. And forgive me, I'm saying I a lot, but all the mentors, I should say, in our, mm -hmm. the way we've kind of structured our, our leadership, we're all able to call in and educate. So what are some of the tips that you have with for others dealing with that kind of situation? I know you mentioned patience, like we just said, but is there anything you would suggest that they do? So I actually, I, I frequent Reddit a lot. I don't know if you do as well, but uh, a lot of current events are spilling into pretty much everything. So I was on a mm -hmm. basketball Reddit and I'm happy that this is the case, but we were talking about, you know, police brutality and, and, and fear of others and fear of change. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just going to pull up this comment because I, I screenshotted it and it really yeah, resonates with it. me. So a gentleman said, um, the tribalism and fear of others have been ingrained in us for thousands of years. It takes time to get over that. And it's literally been less than a hundred years that we have actually been doing anything about it. It will take hundreds of years of education and children growing up with different kind of curriculums in brackets indoctrinations to change. And that hit me because, you know, one might read that and say, okay, how can we like, that's just excusing poor behavior. Mm -hmm. But to me, that tells me, hey, we have a lot of work to do, mm -hmm. right? If we have thousands of years of thinking to change, and we've only been doing it for 100 years. Mm -hmm. It was the most efficient and effective way to do it. And I think it is to call in. It is to say that I understand this is the bubble that you've created around yourself and this is how you view life, but I challenge you to step out of it. I challenge you to say, hey, there might be an issue and, and I'm going to talk through it with you, right? And, and I encourage mm -hmm. people to do that as exhausting as it may sound. And I think that's where it's important to have allies. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So right now, for example, the black community is hurting. They are exhausted. None of us should be expecting them to educate us on the matter. But that's mm -hmm. where that's where other POCs step up. And that's and that's where they say, hey, let me teach you what they're going through as best as I can. Let mm -hmm. me teach you how to facilitate open conversation and dialogue. It is OK Absolutely. to ask questions. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's kind of my thought process there. Yeah, I think that's great. Like taking that emotional labor away from the folks who are suffering in a particular time or during a particular experience and making sure that that knowledge is still being spread, but in a way that is not harmful to those who are most effective is critical, I would say. And I think it's also interesting, you mentioned basketball, and I'm just looking at the date and realizing this is when the Raptors won last year. Right. So, <laughs> pretty, pretty solid. But also in that, also remembering that you bringing up police brutality and police violence in Canada and the US, that watching live on screen when Maasai 
was being harassed by police officers right after the Raptors won was like the first incident immediately after they were announced to be champions, right? I don't know if you remember that. I do, um, I do. I'm like, yeah. I'm in awe that you're bringing it up too because I was thinking about that just like the entire time. Like those are the things that we need to be able to address. Wow, even in the midst of something so joyous, there was still this incredible institutionalized racism that was manifesting on screen for all of us to watch. A, a man with the stature of Masai Ujiri had, mm-hmm. had experienced that. That is unbelievable to me right mm-hmm. he he, yeah. sa- he said it best he was like uh he was he had a comment on the george floyd situation he said and forgive me I'm, i don't have the quote in front of me mm-hmm. paraphrasing but he said you know i'm not comparing this at all to george floyd george floyd lost his life right but i mm-hmm. i was taken out of this joyous moment that that worked so hard for and if this was a white person a white um, executive that had gone onto the court, I have, I, I suspect that this might have been a different scenario, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to think about, actually. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. But making sure that that is something that is on our mind too, I think, is incredibly important. And the fact that, like, basketball in particular, I don't know about you, but I spent a little bit of time growing up in Brampton, which is like crazy about the Raptors growing up. So basketball was all that I did. Yeah. And that is where, like, the immigrant community is, right? Because we don't see ourselves reflected in hockey or in lacrosse or in, like, mainstream sports that Canadians think are cool. But the Raptors and basketball has always been kind of, like, the place for people of color, especially new immigrants to the country, to find sort of their their passion when it comes to Canadian pride in that sense. And so, yeah, I think that's really cool that you guys are working around basketball as well in some of the events that you host. Have you found that to be a place that you seek your audience from? To start with, my idea of what a good audience would be was just my friends, right? And I know they're into basketball. It's mm-hmm. something we enjoy doing. So that's kind of where that came from. But I figure with a lot of immigrant communities, exactly like you said, they feel represented. It's a sport that they can get behind. Mm-hmm. So everybody's playing it. Everybody follows it. And, and I just thought it would be a good way to facilitate really fun events because it's something that people would love and enjoy to do. And it could yeah, be anything, awesome. but just to start, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds like from everything you've said so far, it sounds like your real goal is to meet people where they're at and use the privilege and capacity that you have to be able to have those difficult conversations with people where they're at so that others don't necessarily have to take that on. And I think that's really incredible. What is some of the most fulfilling parts about the work that you do? Has there been a particular success story or moment that sticks out to you? So Boys the Future-wise, it's been two months in. But, oh, so uh, you guys are really new. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, literally kicked off the website March 30th. But I'm really happy with where we're going with this. We've already mm-hmm. had uh, that equity event. And I think with an event like that, and a lot of, again, my inspiration for this was just mentoring folks a little bit younger than me. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a really powerful story he had. His brother was was his brother until he transitioned into his sister. There was a time in his life where he was very confused, but but very motivated and took the initiative to go through therapy and try to mm-hmm. understand what mm-hmm. trans people go through. And and while he was going through that, he seeked membership or mentorship through me. And he would talk things with me. And for me, it was really proud to to be able to to be part of that process with him. Mm-hmm. He is he's such a such a wonderful young man and very strong for now being there for his sister, the mm-hmm. right ways, for taking the time to educate himself. 
And I think when I see things like that, where I was able to help educate on the matter mm-hmm. and, and spark change from within and spark curiosity and, and, and a need to, to do better, I think that is the most, uh, the best feeling that, that you could yeah. have. Sounds like something really meaningful to have experienced, which is great. Do you have any tips on ensuring that your work stays meaningful? So I know you're getting started with this and it's still pretty new, but what have you thought about in doing to make sure that this is something that isn't as laborious on you, but is also meaningful and fulfilling and longstanding, something that continues? I guess it's the uh, the after conversation, right? So if we go through conversations at one point and two, three months later, I'm having a conversation with the same person where, where they've said, hey, thank you for that conversation. This is something I kind of mm-hmm. would hope to educate other people on. That's how I know our work is meaningful. Yeah. It's a, it's a paid forward system, pretty much. If you look at it, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, and it's, it's not the easiest to track, but it, it naturally happens through conversation. You can tell when someone's changed a little bit, you can tell when someone's thought process has improved and mm-hmm. you can tell when they're willing to educate. So I think for us as boys of the future, when we can see that we've made an impact on somebody even older, somebody younger, and now they're willing to educate somebody moving further. I think we've done our job. Yeah, for sure. So you guys are new to just starting your organization. Are there any gaps that you need to be filled still? We've got a very strong team. We've we've got weekly meetings and maybe working a little bit better with our social media side of things and just kind of broadcasting what we're doing a little bit and reaching out. So I would think that's our that's our gap right now. And we're gauging what we're missing by having events. So we've got one event coming up, which we're really excited about. And once that goes through, we'd better be able to identify what we're missing, if that makes sense. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that event and any other opportunities that are available to folks. Sure, um, so it's basketball, no surprise there. And uh, this is, again, we're, we're aiming for August only because I'm thinking, I'm guessing that COVID restrictions will lift a little bit so I know they were talking about mm-hmm. having a 10 person gathering um, or allowing that, I think moving forward from now, we figured if in August we can, you know, it's pretty much a lot more than that, 20 plus mm-hmm. people, we'd like to have a basketball event. And so I, you follow basketball, so you would know what the yeah. all-star game is like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's pretty much, we're calling it the boys of the future all-star weekend, right? But it's just one day. Okay, cool. We're going to have a court. It's going to be a $20 buy-in. There's going to be three-on-three tournaments. Um, I'll be cooking up burgers and vegetarian options. And there's going nice. to be drinks and things like that. But the but the main event is our three-point contest. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a regular three-point contest, 15 balls per person. And the winner is the winner of that. But the winner now has an op- option or opportunity, I should say, to, to redo the three-point contest. But every made ball is a $100 donation to a local black trans community. Oh, awesome. So so that'll be $1,500 if all balls are made. Mm-hmm. And then all, all the proceeds, so the $20 buy-in, will also be going to this um, donation. So where will this basketball event be happening? So it'll most likely take place in Milton. We're, we base out of GTA and surrounding suburb kind of areas. Mm-hmm. But tentatively, we're looking at Milton right now. Where can people find out more about your organization or follow you or your team? So we've got a website called boysofthefuture.ca. We've got a Twitter and Instagram at boysfuture2020. And then I also want to plug our head of equity, who is very socially active 
in, in the community. He's been a big source of petitions for our community too. His Twitter handle is at underscore Graham with an H R and that's Graham Robertson. And then I have myself on Twitter at underscore Sid Pereira. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we close, we have our final segment that we have just newly introduced to the podcast called How I Would End Racism. So as young leaders of color, we're constantly actually trying to reduce the harm that racism causes, the harm that it causes both to ourselves and in our communities while we fight to end it. But imagine if we could do that instantly. What is your best pitch for how you would end racism? So, so, um, so I got yeah. one. Uh, you ever seen X Factor, where if they don't yes. like the talent, they, they you hear this big, eh, right? Yes, Simon Calhoun, the buzzer. <laughs> right, right. So, so everybody gets a mini uh, Simon Cal. That's him, right? The oh, British guy, yeah. yes, sitting on their <laughs> shoulder. And every time they accidentally mic- microaggressively do something, they're gonna hear an eh, try again, and they have to completely retrace, <laughs> figure out what they did wrong <laughs> until the sound goes away. <laughs> That's pretty solid. I, I'm down with that one. Um, awesome. On, on, a, on a more serious note, though, ending it starts in your backyard. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things people can do in their community, in, in their four walls, to educate and help people understand things a little bit better. As optimistic as this sounds, if everyone did that, things would be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think doing what you're doing right now is very evident of that, right? It's like starting in your own community, branching out what you're able to and bringing people into those conversations so that you take on that labor, I think is, is important work that you're doing. Thanks so much. I'm a big fan of what you're doing, by the way. I think this is really cool. I, I hope this goes very far for you. Uh, I oh, think it's really you. important to uh, highlight some of the work that people are doing. So, so good job. And, and thank you so much for having me.